1: Hello Trojan fans, welcome to the uscfootball.com peristyle pregame show. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, publisher of uscfootball.com. I am joined by uscfootball.com reporter Shotgun Spratling and Keely Orr, and over the next hour... We will be previewing USC and Utah. We cover the Trojans 24 hours a day, 365 days a year at uscfootball.com with reports, analysis, interviews, podcasts, photos, videos, and lots more. Make sure you check out the site for wall-to-wall USC coverage. The Peristyle pregame show is proudly sponsored by Trader Joe's. Stop by your neighborhood Trader Joe's for all your tailgating needs, like canned wine, elote spiced corn chips, and yes, even hummus, we aren't afraid of interesting food at a tailgate party. All right, let's bring in Keely and Shotgun and give out our awards for the BYU game.
2: Let's start off with offense. I had Michael Pittman, the wide receiver, nine receptions for 95 yards and two touchdowns. He actually got his first touchdown of the season. A good performance from the wide receiver. He's always a reliable target for Keaton Slovis out there.
1: Going over to the defensive side of the ball, we're going to go with EA. Poly EA, Naote Ote, he had nine tackles. A big third down stop late in the third quarter. One and a half tackles for a loss. Tackles were at a premium for USC. So the fact that EA got nine of them, I think you are going to give him the defensive player of the week.
3: On the lineman side, we have to look at Austin Jackson, the left tackle. USC found some success. They made an adjustment, started running toward his side, and were able to pick up some chunk yardage in that second and third quarter as they moved and progressed in the game. So Austin Jackson is going to be our lineman of the game.
2: For special teams MVP, it's a no-brainer. Chase McGrath, he had a career-long 52-yard field goal when it mattered. You have to give it to the kid.
1: Yeah, that was a big one to tie the game. Keeley, certainly the best special teams play, the best overall play we like to call lighting the torch there was some debate over this but Michael Pittman's fourth quarter touchdown where his foot went out of bounds but the referee said that he was pushed out of bounds comes back in makes that ridiculous sideline catch down the left sideline really important touchdown big play by Michael Pittman of course the refs took a while to figure it out but at the end he got that touchdown
3: we look at our head scratcher. We could look at the referees in this game as you were talking about. They actually reviewed that play before making a call. It was kind of interesting <laughs> on that one. But but let's look at the head scratcher for USC, which was their overtime play calling. I just didn't really understand what they were going for here. You know, they started out with two tight ends, their first two plays, something they hadn't done since the first quarter. They actually showed some pistol formation, which is something they had only run w- with one play so far this season with the first team. And then on the on the third down play, I just don't really like the the play call run the spacing concept where everybody's kind of on the same level and against that zone that BYU was running. So I was kind of confused by the overtime play calling. So that's our head scratcher of the week.
2: Last up the fixer upper of the week. What does USC need to fix going into this game on Friday? I had tackling. According to Pro Football Focus, USC missed 15 tackles against Oof. BYU. Yeah, they were actually they had a 50.3 grade, which is not good considering it's out of 100. And so tackling is going to be critical for this defense to try and stop dual threat uh, Tyler Huntley and the very talented running back Zach Moss.
1: Yeah, very talented duo. We're going to talk about some of these matchups here. we got to leave the BYU game behind. Looking forward to today's matchup against the Utah Utes. They're the preseason favorite in the Pac-12. So we want to talk about some of the key matchups. I'm going to go first with the Australian punter battle. You know about USC's and Ben Griffith coming in as a 27-year-old. He actually turned 28 this week. Uh, Try you know that big leg, and we haven't seen him expand the field and kick those long punts yet. But he's going to go up against another freshman Australian punter, Ben Lennon. He has nine punts so far, about a forty-yard average. He does have a long of sixty-two. Seven of his nine punts have been inside the twenty, and and six of them have been fair caught. So we got to see which punter, which Australian punter, is going to come out on top after this game.
3: And it's actually interesting; these two guys have a relationship with each other. They're from the same program in Australia. I think they probably have a beer bet on this game, you know, because they're two older guys as well. Utah's always really good with their special teams. Can USC live up to that standard as well?
2: The Battle of the Australian Benz. Now, the next matchup to watch is the Curse of the Coliseum. Utah just can't get it done in the Coliseum for some reason. The first ever Pac-12 game in 2011, USC blocks a potential game-tying Utah field goal. Madness ensued. shock and I know you were there. What happened?
3: It was crazy. I mean, Matt Khalil blocks the field goal, and then Torrin Harris picks it up, scoops it, takes it the other way. But is it a touchdown? Is it not a touchdown? USC's players ran on the field because there was no time remaining. It's called not a touchdown. Then, like fifteen minutes later, the referees changed their mind and said it was a touchdown. People in Vegas were going crazy because bets had been paid out. Some of the casinos actually locked the bets. Or like, we're going to wait and see what happens with it. Was it was just kind of a, a chaotic scene, you know, especially with all the players running on the field and everything. But that's kind of been how this rivalry has been in the, between these two Pac twelve South uh, opponents.
2: Yeah, without a doubt. In two thousand thirteen, not as crazy. It was a nineteen to three game. Only one touchdown scored. USC's kicker Andre Hadari uh, was the star that day. Two thousand fifteen, though. Cam Smith, the rookie linebacker, had three interceptions and returned one for a touchdown. So it was kind of his breakout game. And then 2017, Utah decides to go for the win, attempts a two-point conversion, but a Jana Harris comes up with the stop. Utah hasn't been able to get it done in its four appearances in the Coliseum. So that's something to see if they can get over that hump.
1: Yeah, if you remember 2015, Utah comes in ranked number three in the country and really got boat raced by the Trojans. So USC is going to have to hope to do that this year when you're talking about a high-ranked Utah team that's the favorite in the Pac-12 this year.
3: If USC is going to be able to pull off the upset, they're going to have to do it up front. They're going to, the offensive line is going to have to play much better than it did last week when they struggled with some of the three man fronts that BYU brought against them. The defensive line they're going up against Utah is one of the best in the country, the best in the Pac-12 for sure. They returned six defensive linemen that played at least three games last year. You know they've got a lot of experience and they're they're always really tough under Kyle Whittingham up front. So the offensive line has to play well. So we caught up with an important element of that offensive line. Center Brett Nealon talks with our Chris Trevino this week after practice to see what changes USC has made and how they can attack the front that Utah presents.
4: Brett, when you were looking back on the tape, I know you had time to review it. What were kind of the issues that jumped
5: out? Yeah, I I obviously didn't have my best game. Uh, I was pretty inconsistent, but uh, BYU's a good front, and they had some talented guys, and uh, obviously, in the second half, we made some adjustments to put a put a, a little bit more double teams out there, and I thought that was great. And you know, we battled, we battled hard, and uh, it is what it is.
4: What are, what's a big emphasis emphasis for you guys this week with Utah coming to town?
5: You know, Utah is a great team. They have a great front seven, and you know, we we just started preparing today, uh, well, yesterday, and you know, we just got to be physical and ready to go. And you know, they're going to bring it. They're a great team. Does anything jump out? to you about their defensive line specifically yeah they're they're older guys they have a lot of experience um, a lot of starts under their belt also a few you know older in age and you know physical big guys Um, and then obviously the
4: linebackers are quick hard hitters heavy guys too how do you think you guys as a team and the line have been adjusting to kind of the short week coming back from a road game and, you know, you got a Friday game? Yeah, it's tough. Obviously,
5: you know, flying back and then boom, you yeah, practice the next day. But all the guys are locked in. You know, we just got to get our, our body, you know, losing that extra day, you got to get your body, you know, uh, right and, you know, get a little bit extra rehab and whatnot. And I, th- I think we'll be you'll, we'll be ready
4: to go. How important it's it? is it this week to get a consistent get to get consistent run success against a team you know that hasn't allowed a 100-yard rusher in 3 games this year. Yeah, it's
5: very important, you know, Utah, like I said, big physical front and they they're going to they're going to they're gonna play right down through you and try to push you back. So, uh, you know, it's important to run the ball when
4: we need to and 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 get those yards. Looking at the tape, do you expect any sort of a different defensive alignment for Utah compared to, you know, what you were seeing against BYU?
5: Yeah, the, obviously Utah plays uh, 4-2, and then they do play a 5-1, and um, they do throw some different fronts out there, but, you know, Utah's going to gonna do them, and they're, they're going to play their stuff, so I, I'm sure they'll have some stuff in the bag for us, but I think, you know, they're, they're, they have a b- base rules and base fronts and base calls, but, you know, I'm sure they'll,
4: they'll have something different. You faced a really big guy in the middle last week. I mean, Utah, you don't get a break there. Another big guy, six foot five, and Latu. How do you combat a guy you know who's got some extra weight? On you guys? Are you in the middle specifically? Yeah,
5: I, I definitely think you know, um, 99, 98. They got some 52. They got some big guys up there, and uh, just gonna have to battle, battle this week and in uh, practice. You know, re- refine those, <clears throat> refine those uh, the sets and the, the different angles you got to take for that, that guy head up or you know a little tighter. Um, so yeah, just
4: just through practice, I'm gonna have to really, really gear up and focus this week. And last question. Did the altitude affect your guys' pace in the second half or change anything you guys were doing there? Uh, definitely. I felt
5: I felt the altitude a little bit. My mouth is just dry the whole game. But, um, you know, you can feel it. It's it's different than Los Angeles, obviously. And it's hard to replicate uh, altitude. But uh, I, I thought we felt good. And, you know, we try to keep the tempo up. And But uh, definitely, our, our, I'd say our whole O-line, you know, our mouth is a little dry. And you could kind of tell.
1: But it, it, the altitude was a factor. All right, good stuff from Chris and Brett Neelon. Yeah, guys, this is the most important matchup. To me, we could talk about Australian punters and the Coliseum curse, but the USC offensive line is going to have to play well against the best defensive front in the Pac-12. Utah, I mean, you got five defensive tackles that could play anywhere in the Pac-12. you got Bradley and I, who led the Pac-12 in sacks last year. He's already got three. This is a really good defensive front. And if USC got pushed around by a three-man front from BYU, what's going to happen to Utah? So any chance for USC having this game, guys? To me, it starts with the offensive line. They're going to have to play their best game of the year and try to neutralize as much as possible this Utah front.
3: And even more important is the guys in the middle. you got Leckie Fotu and John Penasini in the middle. They combine to weigh 650 pounds. USC really struggled with the nose tackle being head up against Brett Nilon last week. What adjustments do they make now that they're facing more of a four-man front? I mean, I know Bradley and I is dangerous off the edge, but I think the guys in the middle are the guys they have to control. If they can't control the guys in the middle, that just destroys all their plays before they really get going. I mean, Tim Drevno talked about how the toughest thing for them to face was a head-up nose tackle now with a little bit different with two guys that are really strong how do they kind of master it
2: we came out of the stanford game uh, impressed by usc's offensive line performance how they played now tim drevno is still proud of this team even after what we saw against byu where does this offensive line stand we'll definitely know against utah you know on the show we always say that usc's success ultimately comes down to its offensive line and i can't think of a game where that's more true than this matchup on friday
1: Certainly the Trojan offensive line has their work cut out for them with this great Utah defensive front. That's going to be the key for me in this one. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Come back with our player perspective segment where Keely Yor breaks things down with former USC All-American Taylor Mays.
4: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?
1: of uscfootball.com, and this is a segment we like to call Behind Enemy Lines, where we get an in-depth look at USC's upcoming opponent. Before we get to our guests, I'd like to thank Trader Joe's for their sponsorship of uscfootball.com Parastyle pregame show. The next time you visit the USC campus, check out Trader Joe's at the USC Village, where you'll find food and drink from the everyday to the oddly interesting, all at amazing prices. You can't miss the store, It's in the big red building. All right, let's bring in our guest. We have Dan Sorensen. Follow him on Twitter, at D Sorensen, S-O-R-E-N-S-E-N. He's the publisher of UteZone.com here on the 24-7 Sports Network. Dan, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. It's a big game this Friday. I don't know about from the Utah side of things, but talking to the USC people from the beginning, this seemed like it was going to be the biggest game of the year when people would ask me, Certainly, the most important, just because the you know the the Pac-12 South uh, implications, and the weird thing for me, Dan, is that these teams, you know, big game, they've already had a common opponent, played on a common field, both have played at BYU. I wanted to kind of get your thoughts watching both teams. If anything, you got any kind of good information from watching how both of those teams played? Uh, you know, big rival of Utah, BYU.
0: Yeah, you know, watching both teams play BYU was was kind of interesting in, in the approaches they took, especially on the offensive side of the ball. You know, BYU – for both games, they basically dropped eight back into coverage and played that zone. And, you know, Utah, their offensive philosophy was they were going to take what the BYU defense was going to get them, give them. So BYU dropped back into that zone. Utah didn't throw the ball that much. I think they had 15 or 18 passing attempts the whole game. They basically just pounded the ball down BYU's throats uh, in the run game. And, of course, when you have a running back, it is just a talented as Zach Moss, or that's something that you can and want to do. And, you know, Utah was giddy that that's what BYU was giving them. And, frankly, they, you know, the, the game was close in the first half, and then the Heat was dominated in the second half. I think they outnumbered BYU's offensive plays 10-1. to 1. They held on to the ball for three quarters of, of the half and just, you know, just ran the football. I think they threw two passes the entire second half. So, whereas, you know, USC, you know, being that more air raid style of attack, you know, where, where they a pass heavy offense, you know, they, you know, they had the, the freshman quarterback. You know, BYU dropped the eight and, you know, they didn't adjust as much and, and they, they didn't adjust as well. And certainly, you know, Slow this, you know, made his mistakes. And I, that was the difference in the ball game is those turnovers. You know, Utah forced three turnovers, took care of the football. BYU or, or USC gave up the turnovers and, and there's the difference. That's that's the difference between the win and the loss. For Utah, when when they're looking at this USC matchup, you know this is the big game of the year. The, the BYU game was not the game that was circled on Utah's calendar. It may have been for BYU, but that was not the case for the Utes. They have been eyeballing this USC game the entire offseason. They know how important this game is. They know that basically the road to the Pac-12 South title goes through the Coliseum, and it's going to be – That game. Whoever wins that game is going to be in the driver's seat for the division. So Utah's been very focused on that. Uh, They want to win this game. Of course, there are a lot of Southern California kids on that Utah roster. About a third of the roster is from SoCal, and these kids especially want that game. You know, playing against USC in the Coliseum. A lot of their family and friends are going to be in in the building, and you know they're going to want to perform and do well. and, And they they. They know the importance of this game.
1: Yeah, I agree with you there. I mean, this is a game that I think both teams had to circle. You knew the Utes were going to do it. USC's doing it. Uh, But the home field in this game has been so important. Uh, I guess Utah did win in 1916 in in Los Angeles before the Coliseum was around. Um, Do you feel that's going to be a big factor? It's always seemed to be whoever the home team in this series wins the game.
0: Most definitely, you know Utah. They, they've come close a couple of times in the Coliseum, and they just haven't been able to to pull it out. I think the last time they were in the Coliseum was was when they went for two to to go for the win, and 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 didn't get the two point conversion after the fourth quarter comeback. And you know they, they've never just been able to get over that hump. The last time that they were in the Coliseum as, as a top ten ranked team, USC laid the wood on them. And, you know, Utah was coming in as a favorite. And, you know, I think they were number three in the country at the time. And and, and USC just beat the absolute crap out of them. So it's a building that, that the youths have not had, had a lot of success in. And they're looking forward to trying to
1: get over that hump. You we got to talk about Tyler Huntley. Uh, been very impressive so far this year. It looks like he put on, like, 15, 20 pounds of muscle. He's trying to protect his body that you know so he doesn't get banged up. This year, we haven't seen a ton of maybe explosive plays from this offense, but he's dynamic, you know, running and throwing the football. USC's had trouble with quarterbacks that are mobile. They've had trouble kind of containing the edge. So it seems like, you know, this is good. This could be a really good uh, big stage for Tyler Huntley to kind of show the nation. Hey, I'm for real.
0: Most definitely. Tyler Huntley is playing the best football of his career. He's only got 12 incompletions through the three games, and half of those were drops from the wide receivers. Um, He he hasn't been sacked yet this year, so he's averaging 5.8 yards a rush. The the big difference that we're seeing in Tyler Huntley this year as opposed to previous years is he's just making – better decisions. He's been a lot smarter in the run game and pulling the ball when he needs to and giving the ball up when he needs to, when the are running the read option. He's being a lot smarter in the passing game. He's making good throws. He'll throw the ball away when nothing's there. He's not trying to do too much. We haven't seen a ton of explosive plays, especially in the first couple of weeks. Some of that is due to the fact that Andy Ludwig, Utah's offensive coordinator, he's kept things really vanilla. They've not done anything you know, particularly outlandish. The Utes did have a couple of big pass plays on Saturday against Idaho State, but that's an FCS opponent. So, you know, you can take that for what it's worth. But but Huntley is playing fantastic football he's being smart with the football and if he has a big game against usc i think people in college football are really going to have to start taking notice that that this guy has turned the corner and he's starting to realize that potential that you fans have have been hoping that he would for the past few years
1: the uh his uh, counterpart in the backfield zach moss uh is just absolutely stellar um you talked about the byu game zach moss ran for more yards against that uh, three-man BYU front than the entire USC team. How's Moss looked and, and progressed uh, from last year to this year?
0: Moss has been fantastic. He's basically played two full games. He's already got 373 yards. They sat him for most of the second half of the Northern Illinois game, and he sat the entire second half of the, of the uh, uh, Idaho State game. He only got 10 carries that game. Still went over 100 yards. He's averaging 6.5 yards per carry. He's got four touchdowns. He is on the verge of becoming the all-time leading wrestler at Utah. He's less than 200 yards away from that mark. And when you think about all of the great running backs that Utah's had over the years, you know, that's that's a pretty impressive thing. He's such a patient runner, and that's one of the things that makes him special, is he's patient, he follows his blocks, and he's got a couple of just amazing moves where he's able to make defenders miss. His jump cut is one of the best I've ever seen from any college football player. He's got a great spin move, he's strong, he can step on people, he reads the nation and, and miss tackles force. So, he's a special running back, and, and really, you know Utah's offense, as, as as well as Tyler Huntley's played Utah's offense begins and ends on Zach Moss. They're going to try to establish the run. They're going to try to get him going. Uh, they're going to try to push that U- USC defensive line around. And then, you know, as you know, you know Utah—they know they're known for their line play. They've got that you know fist fight in a phone booth mentality, and so they're going to try to to get out there and push them around and, and get Zach Moss going. And if he has a big game, then you know Utah's chances of winning go up exponentially.
1: If you listen to uh, Kyle Whittingham before the season, it seemed like he felt this was going to be the best defensive line unit they had. I think it's the best group uh, in the Pac-12, if you agree with that. And how have they played so far this season?
0: Definitely the most talented group in the Pac-12. They're deep. Uh, they've played really well. So you, you look at that defensive tackle position, they've basically got five guys that they rotate in at defensive tackle that could probably start for every team in the Pac-12. You know, they're, they're led by Lecky Foti and John Panissimi both of them are seniors both of them were either first team or second team all Pac-12 last year then at defensive end you've got Mika Tufua on one side and Bradley and I on the other of course Bradley and I uh, led the Pac-12 in sacks last year and he's got three so far this year all three of them came against Northern Illinois uh, it just had a monster game there so he's a guy that's capable of really getting off and you know I know that the USC UFC has had Injuries along the offensive line, especially at tackle, and you know he's a guy that's it's, that's just able to abuse tackles uh, given the right situation. And Mika Tafu is a sophomore that played a lot last year as a true as a freshman. Uh, had his growing pains and has really come along. So, you know, that, that entire group, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if all four starters are NFL guys eventually when when their careers are finished. Uh, they're extremely talented. They're big. They're physical. And, you know, they're, they're certainly the best that I've ever seen at Utah. And that's, once again, a position that Utah is just known for, that they just, you know, it seems like they got defensive linemen coming out of their ears every single year. And so they've been a lot of fun to watch.
1: Outside of the defensive line, there's some studs in the secondary. Maybe give uh, USC fans a couple other names, you know, in the back seven that uh, they should watch out for.
0: Yeah, uh, Jalen Johnson, the cornerback, uh, arguably the most talented corner in the, in the Pac-12. He's a guy, he doesn't have any interceptions yet. He's mostly the shutdown corner type. He really doesn't get targeted that much. Uh, It's pretty rare that he gets targeted. So, you know, he's a big physical corner. Uh, He's a junior. He's almost certainly going to to leave after this and go to the NFL by an injury, I think, He's getting a lot of first-round grades uh, in terms of what the scouts are looking at. So, you know, he's a special player. He's been very, very good the last two years for the youths. And then Julian Blackman, their free safety, is a guy to keep an eye on. So Julian was a cornerback last year for the Utes. He was second-team All-Pac-12 as a cornerback. This year they've moved him to free safety. And really that, that fits his skill set a lot better, that position. You know, he's already got two interceptions. He did not play – in the Idaho state game, they held him out uh, because he's got a nagging injury. They held him out for precautionary reasons, but he's got a pick in each of the two games he's played in so far. And he's a guy that's a real ball hawk. He's a good tackler. He's a smart player. There are times, especially we were watching him during camp and, it seems like he'd appear out of nowhere and just be able to come up with the interception. And so he's a guy that, that Slovis needs to know where he's at at all times because if he gets lost, like he's a guy that can really make USC pay in that secondary. Thanks so much, Dan. Well, thanks for having me on. It was fun. Can't wait to the game.
1: Yeah, thanks, Dan. We'll take a quick break and we'll be back here for our final segment on the Peristyle pregame show.
2: Welcome back to the Pre pregame show. Special thanks to Platinum Storage and the store local companies for sponsoring our show. Platinum Storage has locations all around Southern California, and you can find them online at PlatinumStorage.com. Now, next up is our Players Perspective segment, one of my favorites. We have three-time All-American and former USC safety Taylor Mays in the studio. Taylor, thanks so much for stopping by. Kelly, what's going on? I gotta give you props because last week on the segment, you pretty much called what happened with USC. You said it's a potential trap game. USC ended up losing 30 to 27 in overtime. And the thing about that is that Clay Hilton described it as an early non-conference game. It was a loss that didn't have to just define their season. But let's flip it. Say USC came out as the winner in that game. Do you still have problems with how USC played in that that game?
7: Yeah, I have several problems with the game. You know, you don't look at it the same. When you win, as you do when you lose, and I said earlier, I was not happy that we lost, but I was happy in the sense that I really hope that guys on the team would look at what happened. And speaking about, you know, uh, Coach Helton and this just being a early non conference loss, you know, I couldn't agree with that. This team right now and uh, Coach Helton, you know, we don't have room for any mistakes. We don't have in. We don't have room. For any loss, we can't afford though. We need every win that we can get at this point in the season, especially against teams that we know we can beat. No disrespect to BYU or anything like that. They are a proud football program. However, Coach Clay, he's on the hot seat. He needs to win games. USC football has very high expectations. And I just I don't think it's acceptable to just say, well, hey, it's just another loss.
2: Well, it starts with the next game. I know USC's players said that they kind of like that it's a short week. They get the bad taste out of their mouth. Before USC even lost to BYU, coming into this game, they had Utah circled uh, as, a, as a key matchup. And we know it's a key matchup just because it, it often decides the South Division. We know Utah's good. But do we really know how good they are at this point of the season?
7: Well, obviously Utah moved up and now they're in the top 10. However, it's really hard to judge because they played BYU. BYU played them pretty tough. And then the last two weeks... They played Northern Illinois. They played Idaho State. You know, their starters didn't really play in the second half of both games. So they haven't really been tested. They were tested a little bit, obviously, against BYU, but they haven't been tested for four quarters, at least not these past two weeks. It's two different situations in a short week, a six-day week. Their team, obviously, talked about them being a little bit more fresh. Uh, they have a seasoned quarterback. So a six day week for him with the experience that he already has, Tyler Huntley, it's going to be a lot easier for him. Somebody like Keaton, he has one day less to look at film, one day less to see the looks at practice, things like that. That could make a difference. So hopefully. Uh, USC is doing everything they can with this short week to take advantage of the time.
2: Now, BYU came in with the game plan of dropping eight in coverage and having three down linemen, and it looked like it was effective against Keaton Slovis and USC's offense. Going forward, what can Keaton do to get better at making his reads and really going through a full route progression as a true freshman quarterback?
7: Well, look, Keaton is going to get better. It's part of the development. The kid's 18 years old. He's seeing things for the first time, and a lot of times as a football player coaches can tell you everything but some of the things you just have to learn through experience one thing i say is i hope that the coaches are giving keaton all the looks possible during the week of practice it's the coach's responsibility to assess what the weaknesses of their offense are and to find out what the opponent's defense does and see how that correlates to what they could potentially do to our offense in the upcoming game so that you know drawing cards looks at practice blitzes, those are the types of things that, uh, you know, coaches like Graham Harrell need to get Keaton up to speed on and things like that will really help him in his development. If he can have confidence in what he's done during the week at practice Then you go into the game and he sees the same reads. And that's really where we talk about, you know, practice being a really big deal. And even things like scout team, you might seem to overlook it or think that it's not an important deal. But the better your scout team players are and the harder your scout team defense works, the better it is for Keaton Slovis. And again, it's also not all on Keaton. There's 10 other players on the football field. The offensive line has to do their job. Those guys have to block. They have to give Keaton time to throw the ball. The running game obviously includes the offensive line, but the running backs, they got to run the ball. They got to get upfield. And then receivers. Receivers need to run routes at the right depth, on the right landmark. And little things like that, especially in a underneath zone defense, if that's what we're going to potentially face like we did against BYU, those guys need to get in the right windows. Because if they're not in the right windows, or even if they're a yard away from the right landmark, that can make all the difference in the game. You see all the time the defender barely missing the ball. That's how football works. You throw the ball into tight windows, and if our guys aren't running precise routes, then it's going to be a long day for Keaton. So, it's obviously it's not all on Keaton. He needs help his guys on his offense, the other 10 players. They need to step up and help him and do their jobs and take the pressure off of him.
2: Now you mentioned USC's offensive line and having to do their jobs. They're going to have a very tough task in Utah's defensive line. They're the best in the Pac-12. Some think they're the best in the nation. How do you game plan when the opponent's strengths are your direct weaknesses?
7: As a player, you want the challenge of playing against you know the best opponent possible and getting your name out there and showing that you're an elite player too. And our guys need to step up and face the challenge. There's small things that you can do. Use the running back. Use the tight end to chip some of those ends. Bradley and I, he's on pace to become Utah's all-time sack leader. Do small things like that, really just to slow him down. Maybe the snap count going on two or going on a silent count. Quick snap, things like that. So they can't guess the snap count. They're not getting a first step on our guys. But at the end of the day, this is football. Scheme only goes so far. It comes down to man-on-man playing physical.
2: So if you're Utah, do you take the blueprint that BYU gave you given what how USC performed on Saturday or do you just stick with what you're good at playing man and just getting that pressure up front cuz you have such a good defensive line?
7: Well, Utah, you know, obviously they have uh, play with four down linemen, two linebackers and really five DBs, so their base defense is uh nickel defense, especially in their back end with uh, Johnson and Blackman, they have very talented players. Their secondary is talented, their linebackers are talented. I think that they are a good enough team and a confident enough team that they're not gonna change their game plan. They're gonna do what they've been doing. Potentially they could throw some wrinkles in there, but why would you change what works for you? What, you know, Coach Whittingham's been doing for over a decade just for us. I think they'll continue to do what they've done maybe bring more pressure than BYU did they bring a lot of pressure on film they play a lot of man and sometimes in their man they use their linebackers as extra blitzers if the running back stays in the block so it's it's going to be a lot of different looks for Keaton I don't think it'll be quite like last week where they just rush three linemen and put eight guys in coverage I think Utah has the athletes and they're going to utilize their athletes
2: Now, on the other side of the ball, I feel like we talk about this each week, but USC's defense just continues to struggle with tackling and perimeter run defense. So then when you look at this matchup, dual-threat quarterback Tyler Huntley and running back Zach Moss are essentially a nightmare matchup for this defense. So in that sense, what does success look like for this Trojans defense?
7: Our guys have to tackle. A lot of times, especially against BYU, our guys got in the right position, but they weren't making positive tackles, meaning tackling their guy where they made initial contact. Our guys need to get down, uh, get physical, wrap their arms, and drive their feet. If we don't do that, this bag is going to hurt us. He runs through arm tackles, and the quarterback also runs with the ball. One thing I, I was a little frustrated about with uh, Zach Wilson last week was our guys didn't hit him. Tyler Huntley, he's a tough guy. He gets hit a lot, and he gets up. And, you know, as a defensive player, they need to hit him, hit the quarterback, and really not to ever try and, Uh, intentionally hurt him but as a football player you want to physically intimidate their quarterback and let him know that you're going to be there but our guys have to tackle because if we don't tackle it's going to be a very long day for us
2: now when we talk about perimeter run defense a lot of the times you always say assignment sound run gap integrity those are kind of football cliches why are they so important when it comes to good defenses
7: it's the reason that a team that is average athletically can beat a team that is full of you know five-star athletes. When you do the little things right, you play with the right technique, you play in the right gap. Let's say you have seven defense players in the box. Six of them are in the right gap. One player, let's say a defensive end, is peeking into the C gap instead of staying outside. A good back like Zach Moss, he's going to see that and he's going to jump outside. If it's a situation like a third and four and he jumps outside uh, to the D gap, That's first down. Things like that will kill your defense. And I think it's been happening to us. And I think our guys really need to understand and hopefully overemphasize just really how important it is. It's easy to say sitting here talking to you or if I'm writing it down or if a coach is talking about it. But it's even harder to do full speed in practice, in a game, and it's just one of those things that you have to practice consistently and really overemphasize your hand placement, your foot placement, what side of uh, the opponent's body or the blocker's body your head is on. Little things like that really add up, and I I would question if our guys really understand that and if if they really have been doing it because it's not carrying over uh, into the game.
2: Where does that disconnect happen where it's not translating on game day?
7: I think it's just a discipline thing. It's something that you have to practice repeatedly every day, all the time, whether you're in a walkthrough, whether you're in a run through or whether, you know, it's a team drill and practice. Something you have to practice all the time. And guys almost in a sense have to be scared that if they don't do their job, they're going to get pulled from the game. It's happened to me not doing my job. I got pulled from a game. And when you create an environment like that, if a guy does anything on the field, he's going to do his job. If it's your job to stay outside. Do whatever you have to do to stay outside. If that means you have to run 60 yards, you know, flat down the line just to stay outside of the running back, you got to do it. And that's that would be the I think guys are trying to make plays instead of do their job. And in this in any defense, you got to do your job first and then the plays come from there.
2: I know I picked your brain. We don't really agree, but what's your prediction for Friday? How's it going to go?
7: It's hard after a loss because when you lose a game, you know everything goes out the window. Everybody was loving USC the week before, and now everybody's kind of like, "Well, what's going on? Are we going to go back into that five and seven mindset?" But physically, we match up against them. It'll be hit or miss for us. I don't know, but I would not be surprised if our guys play toe to toe with Utah for the entire game.
2: I don't have any reason to doubt you even, right? So far. So I won't start doubting you now.
7: Hey, hey, we got to be consistent. We got to do things. Like if we don't do the things that we spoke about earlier, obviously we're really going to struggle in this game. However, we're still USC. We still have talent. We still have athletes. We still have speed. We're playing at home. Our backs are against the wall. We'll really find out what type of character and integrity our team and our head coach has in this game against Utah.
2: It'll be a must-see matchup for sure. Taylor, thanks so much for coming on. Always great talking to you. Thanks, Keely. We're going to take a quick break and then come back and go behind enemy lines, getting the full scoop about what Utah brings to the Coliseum. MTV's official Challenge podcast
5: is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Welcome back to the uscfootball.com peristyle pregame show. We're going to finish up the show with Chris Travinos' five bold predictions. Then we have an interview for practice I did with USC outside linebacker Hunter Eccles. We'll update the injury situation with Keeley. And then Keeley, Shotgun, and myself will give our final predictions for USC versus Utah. This is Chris Trevino with uscfootball.com. And these are my five predictions for USC's Friday matchup
4: with number 10, Utah. Prediction number one, USC becomes the first team to rush for 100 yards on Utah this season. This might be my boldest prediction of the season so far, Just because USC did not have consistent running success against BYU last week, and Utah is ranked number 7 in the nation in run defense, allowing just 65 yards per game. But this is by far the most talented rushing attack Utah has faced so far this season. Utah's first three opponents of the season, Northern Illinois, Idaho State, and BYU all rank within the bottom 28 teams nationally in rushing attack. Now USC failed to reach 100 yards in last season's matchup with Utah, but before that they had reached 100 yards in four consecutive games against the Utes. Playing in the Coliseum certainly helps, so I think they have enough to scratch out at least 100 yards on this Friday. Prediction number two, linebacker Pala Iye Natiote leads the team in tackles. Now, I picked EA to lead the team in tackles for the entire season, and he's currently third on the team with 18. He had three tackles against Stanford, but came back with nine against BYU, second on the team. I thought last week was his best performance of the season, and pro football focus graded him as USC's best defender overall. Basically, I think he's pretty confident going into this Friday game. And in last season's Utah matchup, he led the team with 11 tackles, including a tackle for a loss and a sack. Prediction number three, Utah QB Tyler Huntley rushes for a touchdown. Now, when I make these predictions, I usually don't pick against USC, but it's no secret that the Trojans' defense has struggled when it comes to containing mobile quarterbacks. In week one, Fresno State's Jorge Reyna ran for 88 yards, and Zach Wilson for BYU ran for a huge rushing touchdown in the BYU loss. Now Huntley can be dynamic with his feet with 955 career rushing yards and 12 touchdowns. Last year USC had a hard time bringing him down in that Utah loss and he ran for 33 yards and a touchdown in that win. Until USC can prove otherwise that they can stop a mobile quarterback consistently, I have to pick against him when it comes to this. Prediction number four, Marquis Stepp scores his first career touchdown. Last week I hit with my hunch pick of Michael Pittman Jr. scoring his first touchdown of the season. So, I figured I would just try another hunch pick. Outside of a fumble, Step impressed with nine carries for 59 yards in the BYU loss. He converted two third and shorts and both of USC's fourth downs in the fourth quarter. Utah is an incredibly physical defense, and a bulldozer like Marquis Step might just be what USC needs, especially in the red zone. And finally, prediction number five. USC allows two runs of at least 30 yards off the edge. Again, I don't like picking against USC in predictions but USC's defense has struggled to keep consistent containment on the edge for what seems like several seasons. Via The Athletic, USC has allowed 270 rushing yards off the tackles, second most among Power 5 schools. That's not a great stat when you have a dynamic back like Zach Moss coming to town and a head coach like Kyle Whittingham that's looking to exploit that. Again, this is Chris Trevino with uscfootball.com, and those are my five predictions for USC's Friday matchup with number 10
1: Utah. All right, great stuff from Chris Trevino, his five bold predictions. The one that stood out to me right off the top, number one, USC would be the first team to rush for 100 yards against Utah this season. USC struggled against a three-man BYU front, couldn't really run the ball that well, 3.8 yards per carry, where other teams that BYU played averaged about six yards a carry. This is a much tougher Utah defensive front. We talked about that defensive line earlier in the show, and I know the offensive line for USC it's going to be up to the test. They're going to have to play so much better if USC is going to be able to run for 100 yards. We're going to see Marquis Step. We're going to see Vavai Malapai. We're going to see Stephen Carr. They need to run the ball well for USC to win this game.
2: Well, Ryan, that's why I'm really curious about Chris's fourth bold prediction: Marquis Step scores his first career touchdown. One, can the offensive line get it done? But two, will we even see Step talking to running backs coach Mike Jinks? He really likes seniority. He likes his two starters in Vivai Malapai and Stephen Carr. So. Will Step get as much time as USC fans want him to? That's something that I'm definitely looking for in this matchup.
3: Yeah, Mike James didn't want to hear the noise. He said he didn't want to hear what people have been saying about Step you know people that were tweeting and on social media that Step needed more carries. He didn't want to hear any of it. I'm going to look on the other side of the ball with Tyler Huntley rushing for a touchdown. I don't see that happening. It's going to have to be a long run from 20 yards or more for that to happen because I think anytime they get inside the red zone, Utah's going to give the ball to their workhorse, give the ball to Zach Moss. You know, you saw the long touchdown run from Zach Wilson was 16 yards, you know, I think that's the best chance. It's going to be something a little bit longer for Huntley if he gets in. I don't think that'll happen. USC allowing two runs of at least 30 yards off the edge, I don't see that one happening either, actually. You oh. know, you, you look at BYU, they did not have a, a run of 30 yards or more. Their longest run was 26 yards, I think, and it was on a fake reverse. You know, I think that Zach Moss is really good, but I just don't think that USC's given up those really explosive runs, necessarily. Usually those have been ones that have popped through the middle, if you think back to that Stanford game, you know, that really long run run that was there I think USC contains the edge to an extent as far as the, the really explosive plays but they've given up a lot of big plays 10 to 15 to 20 yards and that's been a much bigger concern on that side but I think that USC controls it enough with their safeties getting over the top to keep from Zach Moss getting a couple of really long runs
1: I think if you uh Tyler Hutley if they can keep him under a thousand yards for his career that means he's gonna have less than 45 yards in this game they have a good chance but if he goes over a thousand yards for a career it's probably bad news for USC. All right, we're going to go to a practice interview I did this week. Really important for the edge defenders for the Trojans to try to contain Zach Moss and Tyler Huntley. I talk about that and also are the players excited to have Reggie Bush back in the Coliseum for the first time for a USC game in about nine years. We're here at USC practice with redshirt sophomore outside linebacker Hunter Eccles. He had a sack in each of the last two games. How do you feel you played so far the first three games? Um.
6: I feel like I'm, I'm doing all right, you know. Uh, I'm not doing, like, you know, my absolute best. Uh, I'm trying my absolute hardest, you know. But, you know, I want to execute more, and I feel like I can make more plays because, you know, my ultimate goal is to go to the NFL high round, high grade, and be a, a great pass rusher here at USC and hopefully uh, in the NFL as well. So, you know, I, I feel like I can put up more numbers, and, and that's what I'm going to be focusing on for the rest of the remainder of the season. Just go out there and make more plays, have more fun, do it do it times ten, you know, just – be out there flying around, making more plays.
1: What have the coaches said to you about what you need to kind of work on after the first few games?
6: Um, Just really just kind of settling, settling in while I'm in the game. You know, um, just I know what I'm doing, but just really executing and, and focusing on the little details. That's probably uh, what Coach Defoe wants me to work on. Coach Clancy, just the little details and getting everything right when I'm out there so I can be assignment perfect when I'm on the field. But when I make plays, you know, they, they give me some love. They show me some love. But I just I do got to clean some, th- some things up, and that's what I'm going to be working on for the remainder of the season.
1: A little bit of a different defensive front. You guys got four down linemen sometime. They're bringing you in and shifting guys around. How do you feel that's been working out with the, the more of a rotation going
2: on?
6: Oh well, yeah, I feel like the rotation is great, um, you know, with the pass rush guys, with the run stop guys, you know, we got guys that can do both, you know, and it's just it's just a great uh, compliment to, you know, how much uh, depth we have here at USC. I feel like Drake Jackson's a big uh, freshman who's came in and stepped in right away and does some great things for us, and he's also a guy who's flexible, can do both, and same thing with Christian Rector and Connor Murphy. Just we have a lot of guys who can play different positions, and I feel like it's great for our defense because, you know, we can do more things now.
1: For uh, you looking ahead to Utah, you're talking about guys like Zach Moss, Tyler Huntley, really dynamic players. What have you seen from them on film so far?
6: Well, you know, um, Zach Moss is a great running back. He's real physical. He likes to run downhill, he likes, you know, he breaks tackles, he spins out of tackles, so we're going to have to secure him, tackle him, wrap him up, uh, keep him on the ground. And then, you know, with the quarterback, he, lo- he loves running the ball, and he can throw it as well, so we got to get to him. Um, their offensive line hasn't uh, allowed a sack yet in his first uh, couple games, so we just got to go out there and get get after the quarterback and, you know, try to stop the run as best as we can.
1: They got a lot of uh, explosive plays in the last game. What do you kind of got to have to do to limit those kind of big plays from that offense?
6: Well, we just we can't hurt ourselves. We got to just be assignment sound. Like I say, uh, you know, we can play our best football. And when we play our best football, we're a great USC team, a great USC defense, and it's fun to watch us. So when we get out there, just being assignment perfect, uh, that's when we, we play our best. So we just got to do that. Just go out
1: there, you know, listen to
6: the coach and take all the coaching in, and just execute
1: the plays. Utah's got a little bit of a rebuild offensive line, but they've been playing well so far. What have you seen from them on film?
6: Um, I like I like their tackles. They're they're really good. And, uh, they look athletic. Big, strong guys, and, you know, that's a uh, credit to, the, to Utah. Like, they're a great team over there, and, you know, it always comes down to us and Utah in Utah and the South, so we're just going to have to, uh, you know, battle for it, and it's going to be a great game to watch on Friday. It's going to be a great testament, uh, and we just got to have to – ball out, have fun.
1: I think you're excited to have Reggie Bush back in the Coliseum.
6: Yeah, that's that's a childhood dream. Everybody came to USC really because of Reggie Bush. I don't know a player on this team who hasn't really came because of Reggie. Like, you know, he has a big influence on us L.A. kids, you know, on us California kids in general. So, um, yeah, man, just have Reggie come to the Coliseum on Friday and, you know, see his, uh, his former team, the Trojans, uh, have fun. It's going to be crazy. It's, it's going to be a big deal, and uh, I'm excited to see him. I'm excited uh, to see him in the Coliseum. Thanks, Hunter.
3: Yes, sir. When you look at that, you talk to Hunter about... St- Containing the edge, you know, a guy like Reggie Bush was able to to blast off the edge and do so many things for USC in the past. That's why the run game is critical on both sides of the ball in this one. First, you got to stop the run with Zach Moss and Tyler Huntley, but you got to be able to run the ball to help out your quarterback. You got a young quarterback. How's he bounce back from throwing three interceptions? Those things can all be alleviated with a good run game. Something that was off and on against BYU. If you can run the ball against Utah and give him a little bit less pressure, you, you know, bring some line linebackers up in the box because they have to respect the play action more than BYU had to do then suddenly Keaton Slovis has some easier throwing lanes and USC's offense can work a lot better if they're able to be two-dimensional instead of just one-dimensional and having to throw the ball with a true freshman quarterback.
2: Well, Keaton Slovis might be down one of his main targets on Friday. Amon Ross St. Brown didn't practice on Tuesday. Clay Hilton said that he has a sore foot, so they're going to play it by ear. So that's something to watch for on the injury report. Another guy, Isaac Taylor Stewart, he practiced on Monday, didn't practice on Tuesday. According to Clay, he has a concussion, so he's likely questionable. But someone who did have a concussion, Greg Johnson, he had a tough hit in the first half against BYU. He's been cleared. He should play Friday. So USC does get an addition on the secondary, but ITS is definitely someone to watch for one more important injury update Christian Rector he was a game time decision against BYU was ruled out he did do practice this week so that's something that seemed positive but Clay Hilton says that he's still a game time decision but that's someone who's key on USC's defensive line so another injury to watch for but guys it's the time of the show final predictions who you got for Friday
1: all right well the the spread in this game started as a pick 'em, went all the way up to Utah favored by four I kind of think it's going to be worse than that it just seems to me guys that U- USc's USC is not going to be able to stop Utah's attack I think the offensive line for the Trojans are gonna have a really tough time blocking this defensive front for the Utes so I'm gonna go 38-17 Utah wins Ooh, that's a big spread
3: there I, I don't think it's gonna be quite that much and I just I-, I think I just gotta go with Vegas you know they seem to always be right and I'm terrible at predictions so I'm gonna go with a four-point game maybe a 28-24 again
2: yeah, I definitely have to go with a Utah win. I just feel like this is USC's key weaknesses against Utah's key strengths. I'm actually going to go 28-7 Utah.
1: Whoa, big one there. All right, we'll see if we're wrong. Uh, the Utes certainly come in with a lot of swagger. We'll see if USC is able to topple the Pac-12 favorites heading into the season. All right, that's going to wrap up our show. Thanks for hanging with us early on a USC game day Friday morning. Thanks to our sponsors, Trader Joe's, Platinum Storage, and Keely, your shotgun Spratling, Chris Trevino, Dan Sorensen, Taylor Mays. Make sure you check back on KABC's every Friday at midnight for the peristyle pregame show. Enjoy the game. And we will talk to you next time.
2: You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA champions league. 24 seven. The UEFA champions league channel is a new 24 hour streaming channel serving nonstop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition.